You are Locked On Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, oh, and then also I'm going to talk about it was Cinco de Mayo, and we got a question about my bartender stuff. So that's how I'll that's how I'll finish the show. I won't start with that for those of you who are interested in basketball stuff from the get go. As always, make sure you guys are following the show on Megaphone slash Panoply, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Today's Fast Break, Spotify, Alexa, Silver Screen, and Roll. Uh, Lakers Outsiders, where I write. You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Irwin LA. If you missed it, uh, we started with our player reviews. And uh, and we are, you know, going to continue with that throughout the the off season. We're going to go to five shows a week for a couple weeks here um, un- until you know a couple things uh, kind of line up a little bit better for the off season. So so look for those. We started with Lonzo Ball. We had Pete Zayas of Laker Film Room. He's going to come on twice a week while we do five shows a week. So. So we'll uh, our next one we'll probably do Brandon Ingram or Julius Randle with Pete uh, Lonzo Ball was was a lot of fun it was a, it was a good one there and we and I I we went through the the format of how those are going to work hope everybody enjoyed that let's go ahead and uh, start with the first question here this comes from Nick Bachelor. Aloha, Anthony. You feeling okay, man? You sounded a little down and tired on your last podcast. Get your rest, bro. Appreciate all your hard work. Harrison, you listening? All best on your endeavors. Nick Bachelor, Lakers for life. Well, I appreciate the uh, the concern, Nick. <laughs> uh, I can't help it. On, on some of these Sunday shows, especially this time of year where where you, you have birthdays and and weekend festivities, some of these shows I'm, I'm going to sound yesterday with Cinco de Mayo, so we play a little golf. Got after it a little bit, uh, but but yeah, I appreciate the uh, the concern. I'm going to try to keep the energy up as much as I possibly can. Let's go to the the, the first actual question about uh, the Lakers here. This is from friend of the show, then L33. Is signing George, uh, re-signing Randall and Lopez, and maybe Isaiah too the most likely offseason scenario in your opinion? And can that be the third best team in the West? And how do you see that playing? Uh, be how do you see playing time being split? Uh, and then the second question there is: If the Sixers were to get Kawhi this summer, are they the next team team to beat? I think first and foremost, the one thing you know, I'm going to answer two first, just really quickly, and then I'll get to one. Uh, ben Simmons has to learn how to shoot. I just don't think in the modern NBA you can have a a lead guard or the person who's going to have the ball the most on the perimeter not be able to shoot because it becomes really easy in a seven game series to diagram or basically uh, scheme that out of uh, into more precarious spots than you can during the regular season. During the regular season, teams play more uh, free-willing. They, they, it's a more open style of play. You can't quite scheme for any one specific team on a night-in, night-out basis the way that you can during a seven-game series. And so until Ben Simmons either moves off the ball, and in which case, like, why move? Ben Simmons off the ball because it's not like he can space the floor. 
Um, so Simmons has to learn how to shoot, or he at least has to be a willing shooter. It, a, a lot of times, he just he's just not really willing to shoot the ball. So if they get a Kawhi Leonard, he helps them, obviously, because he's really freaking good at basketball. Uh, but I still think it, so long as Ben Simmons remains the lead ball handler on that team, they're going to have some issues. Now, to get to number one here, it is signing George, re-signing Randall and Lopez, and maybe Isaiah the, the most likely offseason scenario, in my opinion. Uh, George, look, I, I've, I'm not going to go so far as to report this, but based on a lot of the things that you hear from from various people all over the place, George does seem kind <laughs> kind of like a done deal. I won't go so far as to report it, like I said, but it, but it's certainly leaning in that way. Um, now, can they work out signing George and re-signing Randall under the cap? Yeah, I would imagine so. Uh, would Lopez take a little bit less to rejoin the team and 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 contend the way that this Lakers team could? Uh, he has said he would, though we don't know how much less that would be. And I'm I'm down on on re-signing Isaiah Thomas. I just don't think he can. If he's a if he's a significant part of your rotation, I just don't think you're setting yourself up for for disappointment there. It's unfortunate. He's a really cool story, and and he's worked really hard to get where he is. I just don't trust him as a basketball player. Uh, would that be the the third best team in the West? I don't know. It depends on how Utah develops. Uh, Gobert at some point needs to show any kind of. Uh, ability to go and get his own shot from time to time. I've been pretty disappointed in what I've seen from him these playoffs, especially against uh, Clint Capella, who apparently is a budding superstar. Uh, and and so, you know, would, would the Lakers be better than the Minnesota Timberwolves? Again, that depends on how that team comes together, if, if Jimmy Butler sticks around, and, and what kind of steps forward Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns take. Uh, so maybe I could see the Lakers kind of contending with those guys, but I guess long story short, this is a that would be a team that is le- a legitimate contender, which is what the Lakers need to be hoping for in this first off season where they can take a legitimate superstar driven leap forward. Uh, and 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 you know if they legitimately contend, then signing Paul George and this whole rebuild has has gone pretty well. We're going to take a quick second when we come back. We are going to talk about uh, again talk about Paul George and LeBron and what that would mean for other moves, additional moves that the Lakers could make after that. Those kinds of things go through. So the question comes from KC twenty four oh eight. Uh, if the Lakers sign both Paul George and LeBron James, should they then try to trade for Kawhi or Anthony Davis? Yes, basically. And we talked about this on the last mailbag show that we did. I believe it was last Wednesday, where as soon as you bring in LeBron, you opened up yourself a, a title window and you need to make your team as competitive as you can possibly make it to be successful in that title window. Now, it depends on what the Spurs' asking price is. I saw on uh, expressnews.com that one of the trade scenarios was something along the lines of uh, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, a first-round pick, and Luol Deng uh, to, to bring in Kawhi. I think that's a bit high in asking price. I I can understand why they're asking that, but I don't know if I would meet that if I were the Lakers because look, if you if you find out for 
100% certainty that Kawhi is going to be healthy for the remainder of his career and 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 you're going to get a full return on this, then yeah, you, you do that. But I just don't know if there's any way to know that without getting really far in, into trade negotiations and actually seeing him play. Um, and, and now if, if that same package was somehow put together for Anthony Davis and they and it works now that I would do a zillion times out of a zillion because he would fit absolutely perfectly with what you would need alongside Paul George and LeBron James now you have legitimately great wing defense on the perimeter from Paul George uh, LeBron when he focuses just ask Kyle Lowry uh, he he becomes a really good defender though on a on a night-to-night basis you're not going to get that from from LeBron you just got to understand that going in and then you have a rim protector and, and a floor spacer and, and Anthony Davis um, that makes Lonzo Ball's life really easy that makes Julius Randle's life really easy though I don't know if all this works and and you can keep Julius Randle mathematically speaking but those are the kinds of things that you that you need to make happen if you if you do land a LeBron James is is you just you take advantage of whatever title window you open yourself up in and and you just kind of you live with what that means moving forward. Now, what it meant for the for the second time uh, that the Lakers tried to open up a title window for themselves and trading for Dwight Howard and trading for Steve Nash and 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 rolling with the, that that 2012-2013 team was that basically the Lakers find themselves where they've been for the last five years because your your assets your your cupboard goes pretty dry going that way. But but if if you have a LeBron and and he's still in his prime, you just you try to make that work. Period. Um, we're going to I'm out. We'll I'll start talking. I'll tell you what. I'll give you guys. This is a uh, a longer question. Just just a a quick request, and I appreciate again. I appreciate one hundred percent you guys putting these reviews in here and these questions. I couldn't do this tonight without you guys' help. Uh, but keep your keep your questions to a few sentences long so that I can I can kind of try to get to them. Basically, this is from me first time. Uh, they're asking the, the one pet peeve he has, or they have, is LA's seemingly constant switching. I watch every game, and it seems like LA switches unnecessarily, and they switch into obvious mismatches. It looks at times like LA is too "quote unquote" lazy to deny us to to deny a switch to stay with a much more advantageous defensive matchup. Is that because they believe in switching everything? I don't see how switching Zoo on. Uh, CP3 or Brolo on on Westbrook are better matchups than the initial guard. Is this a matter of not recognizing, not knowing or all of the defensive principles or just a mentality they want to establish going forward? It's hard to switch when all the players don't have the ability to do so competently. Those are all very, very fair points. And, and it kind of gets back to how teams play in, in the modern NBA and, and how teams set out to play in the modern NBA defensively. Um, I'm going to not, ne- not necessarily rebut them because, like I said, they're fair uh, points to make based on what we saw last season. Uh, but I do have a couple additions that I want to make, and I'll do that here in a second. So... First and foremost, the question was asked, is this how they want to defend moving forward? And I would say yes. I think this is the, the, the defensive culture that they want to build on is 
we'll get as many lengthy athletic players as we possibly can, and, and we'll just try to switch everything, um, you know, through throughout a regular season. And then if, if things need to be tweaked in, in the playoffs, if and when they get there, then fine. You go about it that way. But for... You know, when you have a guy like Lonzo Ball who has as great of instincts as he has, and with you know with how long he is for being a point guard, you want to be able to switch because it, it just it it makes it harder to get to other stuff for the offense. And and this is really what it comes down to. Yes, it, on, on in those moments where uh, Brooke Lopez is switched out onto any point guard. You probably don't feel too great about it, though he does do better than you would kind of probably imagine in those kinds of situations. But really what it gets down to is you limit the number of other ways that you can get hurt. Chris Paul or, or any point guard set up one-on-one and, and just trying to score that way is a lot less efficient than getting somebody with a head of steam because the switch or the hedge came on late and and they get into the key and they find a corner three point shooter like that that's what the lakers want to avoid at all costs right and and they did a pretty good job of doing that this past year which is really surprising considering it was the that group's first time really playing together luke walton is still trying to figure out how he wants to build that culture and and it worked out pretty well uh, it, look, it, it it all depends on personnel, and and Brooke Lopez is probably the extreme example of of how you maybe don't necessarily want things to work out uh, on a regular basis. But if you have a lineup out there of say Lonzo Ball, Paul George, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and Julius Randle, let alone LeBron in in that kind of hypothetical. But if you have that kind of lineup with those five guys out guys out there. It makes it really hard for for a pick and roll driven offense to to really be successful because there are no real mismatches that you can that you can really point to against that kind of group. Uh, they're really long and athletic, so passing lanes become harder to come by. And and so what you what you kind of really have to rely on at that point is more off ball kind of stuff, those kinds of sets uh, to to get any kind of. Uh, consistent success and and that's really all that you can hope to do in the nba because these guys are so skilled and and so efficient at at all of these different kinds of shots especially the corner three that what you need to do is all right it's not a matter of stopping them under any and all circumstances it's a matter of taking away the thing that would hurt you the most regularly and that's what the switching stuff leads to now do they over switch yeah of course they do it's they don't play perfect defense and nobody's going to play perfect defense so you do see some over switching you do see some over helping though that was a lot uh you saw that a lot less under luke's defenses than under the previous head coaches um and that's just because luke is better at at either relaying or designing those defensive schemes um, than than the previous head coach, and and so you know from from what people were potentially expecting from the Lakers, I think that's kind of that was about as well as that season could have gone on that side of the ball. It's just a matter of building on that moving forward. All right, let me see if I have any more here. All right, here's a fun hypothetical. I won't spend too much time on it because 
really what ifs or what ifs. And and if I want, if we maybe I'll talk to uh, I'll grab a guest in here and we can spend a little bit more time on this. But uh, Vontae thirty five asks, would the Lakers have been better off keeping D'Angelo Russell and drafting Jason Tatum? Look, if you go back and and you look at all these, like would. Would any team that passed on Giannis Antetokounmpo be better off with Giannis? Yes, <laughs> right. And and Jason Tatum being as at, at showing out the way that he has in these playoffs have a lot of teams kind of saying, especially like Philadelphia, for example, they not only passed on on Jason Tatum, but they traded up. They traded an asset to draft a lesser player in Markel Fultz and let Jason Tatum slide to the team that is now currently beating them in the playoffs, right? So so I would imagine Philly fans aren't pretty aren't, aren't thrilled about how that played out. For the Lakers though, like look, Lonzo missing time the way that he did is is obviously a bummer, but I'm not going to go so far as to say that the Lakers would 100% be better off with Jason Tatum than Lonzo Ball over the course of both of their careers because we're all hoping that we see 15 year plus careers from both of those guys. And maybe Tatum turns out to be, you know, maybe his growth continues to build off of what we've seen so far from him. Maybe Lonzo figures out a few things and becomes a more impactful player than Jason Tatum, even if he isn't the clean offensive skilled player that that Tatum appears to be so far. All of these things are, you know, this is the thing about hypotheticals is that there are infinite ways that all these things can play out. Um, I Look, I am one of D'Angelo Russell's biggest fans in, in terms of watching him play and thinking what he was capable of. Um, but I, I still think I, I, I don't, I, I think it's close, but I think there's a higher chance or a higher percentage of of likeliness that Lonzo Ball winds up more effective or more impactful than D'Angelo Russell over the course of his career. And so, you know, do are, are the Lakers better off with Lonzo, Josh Hart, and and though to a lesser degree Kyle Kuzma and, and Thomas Bryant over having D'Angelo Russell and Jason Tatum, we just don't know yet. We don't. And and maybe four or five years down the road, this will be fun to revisit. But right now, it's it's just not worth it. Last question here, and I will send you guys off into the rest of your work week. This comes from Smoking Aces 562. What's up, Anthony? I heard you mention you're quite the bartender. Haha, <laughs> just wondering what's your favorite mixed drink and what's your poison, such as whiskey, vodka, etc. Keep up the great content. Well, thank you for, thank you for the props. All right, so my poison, the, the 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 I guess the liquor that I usually go with is is gin. I just really enjoy a nice clean gin and tonic. Uh, it, there's a big difference between what's called a a floral gin, which is has a they tend to be a little sweeter. It they it, it's called floral because there's a, almost a fruity taste to them. With those kinds of gin and tonics, you want to muddle a cucumber with them. That's like Hendrix. Um, and, and things down that Tanqueray on the other on the other hand is more citric. So you want to, that's the one that you want to throw a little tonic water in a squirt of lime. And, and that's my, I guess my go-to, uh, on, on just your average night out. That said, the cocktail of choice just depends on the setting. If I'm with, uh, if I'm having a, a, a nice dinner and, you know, a nice steak dinner, well then, I would like a an old fashioned to 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 roll with in that on that kind of situation, or or a nice glass of of hearty red wine. 
that's uh, you can't go wrong there. If I'm having sushi, then uh, give me give me some sake, you know. Or if if it's a we just celebrated Cinco de Mayo, uh, go with a margarita. That's a, it's just it's not Cinco de Mayo isn't isn't right without a margarita. Uh, I will give you. I'll leave you guys on this. The the. What, I'm I'm capable of making two things that if you come over to the house, uh, I make a combination of these two things, and and you're going to leave a happy person. And and those who who have been to the house can I would hope attest to this. But with carne asada, I make my my I make my margaritas, and and here's my trade secret on how, on how to make the best kind of margarita. Uh, I'm I'm lazy, so I just go with whatever kind of margarita mix that you roll with. Uh, in this case, I'll just say. Jose Cuervo. I like a gold margarita uh, tequila to throw in that margarita mix. Um, I do basically one and a half parts of tequila uh, to the three parts of margarita mix. I throw a splash of vodka on there so that you still get the kick without the the overwhelming tequila taste. Um, and then I throw a, a splash of orange juice on there to kind of add just a, another little – I like orange juice because it just kind of cleans up the overall taste. Squirt a lime. If you, if you have salt to, to put around the rim of the glass, great. What I prefer to go with though is some kind of chili powder. Uh, and usually for me it's tahini. You put that over the rim of the, of the glass because what happens with the salt is that if it falls into the drink, it just kind of gathers at the bottom of it. And, and you get a couple drinks that are just like salt water, basically. You don't want that. And whereas if you have chili powder and that falls into the drink, it actually kind of spices up the drink a little bit. So that's, a, that's how I go with it. I throw that with, some, with a, some carne asada, some rice, some beans, some green salsa, and that's how you celebrate a Cinco de Mayo. And that's how you wrap up a podcast. As always, thank you guys for following the show. You can do so anywhere that you find podcasts. If there's a platform out there that we aren't on that you would like to, us to look into, let me know. Uh, we'll be back at it again tomorrow. Uh, I'm, I'll hopefully bring either Pete or another guest on to, uh, to rate and review somebody, uh, uh, one of the Lakers seasons. I, I think, I'm thinking I'd like to go with Julius Randle next before we go to Brandon Ingram, but, but you never know. Listen tomorrow to find out. Have a great week, rest of your day, everybody. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.